0: So my name's Jeff Murray, um, I live in Somerset, UK, and I'm a full-time pen and ink artist. It originally started out with this uh, nature-inspired maps, which then evolved into more physical continent-style maps, and uh, the medium of pen and ink just sort of naturally uh, went well with that combination, and the cartography element just sort of came about in terms of the first sort of cartography continent style map that I properly drew was probably my 2015 piece titled The City of Europe. Yeah, I'd say that that was the first sort of full continent piece that I did as a, in terms of like a city cartography. Before then, I was doing other nature inspired continent shaped pe- pieces, which definitely were uh, some people relate to them still as my map series, but they because they're more nature inspired and the whole thing is made up of intertwined uh, fauna. Uh, You know, lots of different uh, leaves and natural sort of aspects with animals and things all created throughout. But there's no physical aspect to the piece that resembles an actual physical map or landmass. Whereas my piece titled The City of Europe and then from there on out, that was my sort of first one that
1: had a physical map feel to it as such. A map is something that shows uh, human made stuff.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I I have drawn sort of more uh, maps that have um, a majority of more more natural features in them. But um, like I said, my piece, The City of Europe, was definitely, uh, it had the curvature of effect as well of the Earth, which um, with all the sort of architectural landmarks throughout Europe. And then I've since done a bunch of other ones, The City of Asia, City of North America, Middle East. Australia, British Isles, etc. Um, some of them have more natural features than others, but the pieces that I was talking about before, the nature-inspired maps, they didn't have. They were like the shape of a country or a continent, but they weren't uh, specifically sort of map designed. They were just that shape, and then it was made out of all the things nature inspired. So yeah, a little bit different.
1: What prompted that uh, twenty fifteen City of Europe was it uh, a, tra- a trip? Uh, just a gem of an idea, do you remember?
0: Yeah, well, no, the reason why, so I was actually uh, creating all these nature-inspired pieces at the time and I'd drawn, uh, you know, big pieces of Australia, of New Zealand, Southeast Asia, India, I'd drawn North and South America in this more nature style, and it was then, I was like, right, Europe's next, Europe's the next big continent that I want to draw. But at the time, I remember sort of not being inspired to draw a Europe in the nature- inspired style that I had done the previous ones because as as much as Europe's got some incredible natural beauty to it no doubt about that for me the the animals and things didn't seem maybe as exotic in comparison to africa south america india whereas you know some of those they work really well in the nature style but europe for me just didn't feel like it could work in that same uh, level however um i was then thinking well i still want to draw europe but how else could i bring it to life if not in nature well europe's obviously got an incredible history um and its architectural roots uh you know there's so many different styles and so many iconic landmarks and different you know whether it be from the more sort of sun sort of uh sun-kissed uh, houses around the and uh, mediterranean from you know spain france italy all the way down to greece but then you've got you know, all the Scandinavian sort of inspiration up up in the north part, then you've got uh, sort of more of the industrial build. There's just so many sort of iconic things that I thought Europe could work really well as one big integrated city. But I'll be honest, at the time, it was almost a bit of a guinea pig for me to do a piece like that, because people who were familiar with my work and were buying it at the time were very uh, much invested in my nature-inspired stuff. So. I didn't know if this uh, city style was going to appeal to many people because I hadn't drawn anything like that before. So I gave it a go, and it turned out to be one of my biggest sort of selling prints at the time, one of my most popular works. And I thought, okay, well, I'm obviously onto something here. And it was great fun to draw it as well. So I thought, let's just continue to evolve and push this style and series and see where it goes. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely um, become my most popular sort of known for work uh, in more recent years.
1: Prior to that, had you done architectural illustrations or cityscapes?
0: Yeah, on on very much a smaller scale over the years. So I was originally, um, I did art at school and then graphic design at university. And I was always, and pen and ink was something I'd always enjoyed playing around with, uh, you know, from my early teens. It was sort of the medium that I discovered that I enjoyed the most and I liked within art and naturally throughout school and university and college projects i'd always try and bring that hand drawn element in and often more times than not i would funny enough uh turn to sort of more architectural style works and i've always been a fan of architecture anyway so um and funny enough actually i did want to be an architect when i was much younger but um i just never ended up going down that career path and the 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 sort of idea of bringing a city to life with just a pen always seemed appealing to me, but uh, you know after my time at university and then I ended up going travelling for many years and on my travels I did sort of my art for myself and I was just drawing the odd sketch here or there but I kind of felt on my travels I you know should maybe be drawing things that I'm kind of seeing on my travels or inspired by so you know I lived in Canada for a couple of years I lived in France uh, New Zealand Australia travelled throughout Asia. So I was very much inspired by stuff I was sort of seeing on, on the road, so to speak, and a lot of nature and uh, sort of uh, mountainy landscapes. I was a skier and snowboarder, <laughs> um, so uh, I used to, I did a few ski seasons. Um, but it was in New Zealand where I first started selling my works professionally, um, just through local art markets and a few galleries, and that was in 2012. And in New Zealand, heavily nature-inspired country, so you know that was where my theme sort of grew from there and I did have a few previous sketches that I'd done on my travels of a few random uh, architectural based uh, pieces but they weren't uh, my sort of known for works in my early days of my professional career Um, so I yes in answer to your question I was very much um, familiar with drawing cities and urban landscapes um, but I'd done it almost just for myself throughout the years and it was what I enjoyed very much when I was younger and then I went with this more nature-inspired theme, but then I've almost done a full circle and I've come back to the more physical, architectural landscapes. And yeah, it's become sort of my most sort of popular uh, works that I create.
1: Did you keep a kind of travelogue or diary with these illustrations or just when it inspired you? I'm going to sit down and sketch around me.
0: Yeah, very much. Um, I I actually kept diaries while I was on my travels. Um, Originally, I wanted to just go and do straight after university i just wanted to go to go and do a snowboard season uh and i went to canada uh but that ended up turning into a you know over a year and a half of living and working in canada and at the time on my travels it was mostly sort of hospitality jobs just so i could live in the coolest places on earth and get to go skiing and snowboarding every day so but then the sketches were almost just for myself because i always enjoyed art and you know regardless Um, And funny enough, actually, when I was in Canada, it was the first time I'd ever drawn on a canvas before. And it was almost like I wanted to evolve my art more than just a sketch. Because I always felt, for me, just the thing with drawing, and pen is normally pen onto paper because of the smoothness of the surface. Um, I'd never thought of the idea of drawing on canvas, but almost for me, there there was some sort of a, a subliminal thing that if you create a piece of art on, canvas it's more of a piece of art rather than just a drawing or just a sketch maybe you know I I overthought that thing too much but I was always curious as to know what a canvas would be like so I actually purchased a canvas while I was in Canada and randomly funny enough actually going back to architecture I did actually draw a piece of uh, New York City why I drew New York while I was living in the mountains in Canada um, (laughs) it was just something that came to me at the time I'll be honest um, but that was actually my first ever canvas I did. And at the time, it was my uh, biggest uh, original that I'd ever made. And I ended up sending the original back with a load of other belongings back to the UK um, before my time was up in Canada and then did some more travels and then returned home. And uh, yeah, the, um, but, the, but I always did keep sort of journals and diaries sort of on my travels. And then I kept all these different sketchbooks and things. And I always had a sw- sort of small sketchpad with me throughout when I went to France and then again to Australia, Asia, New Zealand. Um, And luckily, because I'd sort of almost kept the same uh, sketchbook throughout all these years, I had this collection of all these original sketches, essentially, which then when I was in New Zealand and I realized I could go on to selling them through local artisan markets, I had quite a collection on me. So, uh, which was um, ideal for sort of setting up a small little artisan pitch and then, you know, going from there really.
1: And that was your uh, first selling experience—a uh, table, open air, people passing by saying, "Hey, that's neat."
0: Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. I—I um, I, the only times people had ever really seen my works were, um, you know, on my travels. That was, were you know, occasionally in a hostel or in a in a, fl- a flat or a house that I was sharing, and people, were like, oh, what's that you are drawing? You know, oh, that's cool or whatever. And uh, and then my friends and family had stayed, seen seen over the years, but I'd never really shown it to. You know, complete strangers or members of the public or anything and um, when I was in New Zealand I, I'd already been there a few months and I'd done it uh, I'd worked up in Wellington for a few months and then I did some travels around the north and south island and it was actually down in the south island uh, I got to I don't know if you've heard it's a sort of ski uh, popular town called uh, Queenstown in Otago in the south of the south island and um, there I, you know I got there at the time I was a little bit sort of Low on cash, and I thought, right, I just need to, you know, get a job, get accommodation. And I was used to that at that point. I'd done this many times throughout my travels of, you know, moving around, get to a new place, find accommodation, find work, etc. And while I was actually looking for sort of work at the time, you know, applying for different hospitality jobs, on my travels, I'd noticed that there was this artisan market and. Um, you know I was basically just got chatting to some people and everyone's like well look you've got all these artworks why don't you go down to the market why don't you try and sell them and I was like well I've never done anything like that before I, I don't know how that's going to work and they were like, "Well, what's the worst that could happen you know you've got your sketches make some original and uh, make some prints of the originals and then you know find a local printers I'm sure that you could scan them in and make some prints of that you know the worst you know that happens is people will say no and I think for me the biggest fear was the rejection of you know, people who had never seen my work before not liking it. And I've since discovered that over the years, the amount of artists that have approached me and said, Oh, I'd, I'd be afraid to do what you're doing. I'd be afraid to put my stuff out there because I don't know what people would think of it. And, you know, that was exactly the same fear I had within myself with it. But, you know, I, I, I went ahead with it. And luckily, you know, I, I had a bit of encouragement other than just, you know, to do it all on my own. And when I did this first market, Uh, You know, I laid out the original sketches and I had the prints either side of this tiny little table in this market and it didn't cost uh, too much to do so I didn't feel like it was, you know, I was throwing all my eggs in one basket with this thing. It was just to try it out, see what was going to happen and if nothing came of it then hey, at least I tried, right? But luckily it went quite well and ended up selling a few prints and actually sold an original on the first day in terms of an original sketch. And it was quite sort of uh, a bit of an eye-opener for me. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And I just thought, okay, cool, let's do this again next weekend. And then let's do it again the weekend after. And it actually got to the stage, you know, within a few months. And during that time, I should mention that I did also get a job in hospitality. But I was ending up sort of making more from selling the art, just doing one market a week on the Saturday each week than doing a nine-to-five job nine-to-five job. During the rest of the week. And I was like, well, why am I doing a job that I don't like when I could be spending all of my time uh, working on my passion and go from there? So it was a bit of a gamble because there was never a guarantee that it would be a steady income because, you know, some weeks if it's raining or, you know, there's not as many people in town, uh, they might not come by or the market might not be on. So I had to just take that risk and that gamble. But yeah it pretty much led me to where i am now and you know over 11 years later i've been doing it full-time just from that very first market in new zealand
1: well people are nice at craft fairs and art markets nobody will stop by your table and say hey i hate this stop
0: (laughs) (laughs) please stop yeah that's really offending my eyes i mean i've occasionally over the years uh uh more recent years with my uh, going back to my map style pieces my continents uh my countries and continent ones are like, like I said, I mentioned the city of Europe, I've got the city of North America, uh, I've got a piece, the city of the British Isles. And, you know, I'm from the UK, I live here. And so that naturally over here is pretty much my most popular print at the same time. It is my most criticized piece because people will always look for where they're from. You know, if I've drawn somewhere where somebody recognizes or if they're from, naturally they're going to look for where they're from on the piece and if they can't see something that resembles their hometown or city they get annoyed with me (laughs) and to be honest I kind of enjoy the the back and forth communication I can have with some people because my argument is it's not actually a map it's inspired by it's you know this is not I have yes it's inspired by the shape of the continent or the country that I've created and I've used many landmarks uh, to bring it to life but I've You know, there's no such place called the city of North America, the city of Europe. It's imagined, it's inspired by, brought together, but in a map style. And I always do say to people, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. It's not um, accurate. You know, if you take this piece, if you take this print with you, don't think that it's an actual (laughs) geographic representation and and use it as a guide or reference as to where you need to get to. (laughs) Whereas, you know, I have drawn actually some individual cities as actual globe cities such as New York, London, um, Paris, Venice, Singapore, Hong Kong, Dubai. I've done quite a few of those over the years, which are geographically a little bit more accurate. And the street layouts and the perspectives and the locations of all the landmarks and architecture and roads and systems and rivers and stuff like that, those are a little bit more accurate. So if anything, those pieces require a lot more concentration and uh, precision because I want them to be accurate in terms of all the street layouts and everything. Whereas pieces like my, you know, city of Europe, city of North America, et cetera, they are inspired by, um, you know, with exaggerated landmarks, exaggerated features. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, where, where the pieces
1: differ. Yeah. They're, they're not meant to be comprehensive. The <laughs> impressions of a place. Exactly. Well, that's interesting. That's no different from making any other kind of map. I'm a professional cartographer and all cartography is leaving stuff out yeah. because a map with everything on it is a useless map. That'd be a one-to-one scale map. Yeah. And cartography is necessarily about taking something big, complicated, and essentially infinite and reducing it. And that yeah. means leaving stuff out, I guess, when people walk up and say, Hey, where's my landmark? Where's the thing in my city or my town or my country?
0: I, I get this a lot, but sometimes people will say, how come you haven't drawn this landmark in this city? Uh, or having, how come we haven't represented my hometown or city within this piece? And my answer sometimes is, you know, look, no offense, but when I was doing my research for whatever reason, I, you know, personally didn't feel like that place had something as unique and specific for me to say. Oh, I've got to include that within the piece, you know. And because I exaggerate certain landmarks and features from everywhere, everything gets a bit sort of distorted and out of proportion. You know, take for instance my piece that I was describing the city of the British Isles. On that piece, it's I, I've exaggerated the size of London quite significantly, and that's purely because well, for, for, for a few reasons. One, I didn't want London to be uh, condensed down to just one or two landmarks. You know, there's quite a few iconic landmarks within it. The River Thames. I knew I wanted that to be quite a big feature within the piece, and almost winding through parts of it. But then there's so many little towns and cities almost surrounding London that. Just got almost engulfed by the size of it. Also, as well, the size of the originals that I'll create. I create originals at a few different sizes, but my country and continent ones, uh, sort of I'll make them anywhere from a twenty four by thirty-six inch canvas going up to sort of a thirty-six by forty eight inch canvas, you know, three by four foot. Um, and that's kind of like anywhere from my medium large up to my extra large size works. Me personally, I know other artists will work you know, different sizes accordingly, but that's kind of where I sort of draw the line of, purely because my arm can stretch so far when drawing, you know, and, and drawing versus say painting, I don't know what it's like for you, um, if, if, if your method's different, but me personally, I I need my hand to be fairly steady when I'm drawing up. I can't sort of be a bit flowy. It needs to almost be resting so that I can get all the intricate and fine detail. So therefore uh, I almost need to be, Uh, have the canvas on like a slightly raised easel but i need to be in a position that i'm very still and very steady so that i can concentrate and get all that intricate detail just as i want it Uh, so therefore i can only work as far as my arm will stretch
1: (laughs) and so for these pieces your maximum working size is a three by four foot canvas or sheet of paper
0: yeah i mean that's the largest I've personally gone. I've often thought about going larger just to see if I could do it. Because over the years, I like I said, I have worked on a slightly raised easel uh, for the canvases. It for me personally, it does. It's, it's a very different method between drawing almost vertically versus drawing down on a flat surface. Um, I just have to kind of switch up my my method slightly and and my my positions of how I sit and how I. Work with it. There's a couple of big pieces that I've done in more recent years, which are very much still map inspired, but they are inspired by ancient mythology and history. So there was a big piece that I did in 2020 called a Greek Odyssey, which is a big map of uh, ancient Greece and all Greek mythology related. Now, originally, I wanted to just draw a map of ancient Greece. I was quite fascinated by the idea of that, but as I was concepting the piece, I was sort of thinking, "Oh, it'd be really cool if." You know maybe poseidon were coming out of the ocean or zeus was in the sky or athena was above athens and then i then researched more into mythology and then almost got a bit carried away with the idea of you know what i actually just want to make a an entire piece just on greek mythology, and then use the map of ancient greece as almost a backdrop as the setting so the research alone for that piece was well over a year of just researching you know books podcasts Series documentaries travel trips, you know, you name it. I just tried to cover everything and then during 2020 um, It was actually kind of one of my it was one of my lockdown projects and I spent close to well It was in fact it was over a thousand hours just under six months of pretty much solid drawing time and Yeah, it is personally the piece that I'm most proud of it's my favorite piece It's become one of my most popular prints and off the back of that piece um and it was my biggest piece to date at the time. Off the back of that one, I've had a lot of other people, you know, love the idea of me bringing ancient mythologies and all the stories of mythology to life and have requested sort of many more. So I then went into another piece in 2021, which I then finished in the summer of last year, which was of Norse mythology. Uh, So all the Viking gods, those guys, which has become, I'd probably say, equally as popular as the Greek piece uh, because the two are very similar in style um they've got and the, another big thing about these particular ones which was very different to my previous works like the city of europe the city of british Isles, is these pieces are in full color uh, and it's all done with pen as well whereas my previous works are predominantly black and white uh, fine tip um uh, pigment liner pens with just a few maybe little dashes of color here and there but then these newer ones were done completely in full color so it was a big switch up for me to do that um but there was it was great fun and i've i've definitely got a few more in the pipeline i'm currently researching to do a similar piece on egyptian mythology in the same style to look, like make a big epic trilogy and then i think over time more will continue
1: and look at the full color now is it with colored pen or colored pencil or digitally colored
0: all colored pen yeah so the the color so because the originals i draw onto canvas uh cotton or linen canvas i prefer to draw on linen canvas because linen's that little bit smoother and it's more of a finer surface so therefore the pen work is goes on a lot easier i have worked on cotton many times but usually with the cotton canvas i have to give it one or two layers of gesso and then sand it down just to make it a bit smoother but even so it's you still feel the texture underneath slightly um, whereas linen is just that bit smoother but the uh, all of the pen is, uh, including the color for those particular pieces, uh, has been done yeah with pens. So the marker pens that I use, uh, Copic markers, um, they do markers. They do the uh, sketch Chow pens as well, which uh, because the ink doesn't dry immediately onto the canvas, um, it actually allows for really cool blending and shading techniques. Um, you know, whereas on paper sometimes you get those lines uh, when you do. Uh, pen sketching uh, so yeah that's why um, another reason why I love working on canvas
1: thank you and speaking of process would you mind giving me an an end to end of uh, the North America pieces like the eclectic frontier in the city of North America I mean I'm I'm from California and I live in New York now so that's obviously my my what I'm looking for you really nailed a lot of it in both pieces Do you research these or your impression through your travels? Like, how do you decide what to include?
0: You know, going back to a little bit of my travels, that's predominantly where my inspiration has come from over the years. Places that I've visited and I've lived, and people often ask, Oh, have you been to all of these places that you've drawn? I've been to probably 70% of the places that I've drawn. You know, I've been to North America many times, but I haven't been to every single part of North America. There's a fair bit of it to cover. Uh, But I've been to enough of it to know. Almost to feel like I can uh, uh, bring that piece to life. So, like the eclectic frontier one, like I said, that's the nature piece, and that um, just came down to a bit more research. That particular piece, um, as well the uh, the fauna throughout the piece, I've actually sort of changed. So, yeah, down towards more Central uh, America, like um, you know Belize. Um, Panama, all those countries, it's more of a tropical feel. And then as it progresses up towards where Mexico and Texas are, there's a few more sort of like cactus, deserty style style uh, faunas. And then as it then gets a little bit more up into the, the mid uh, uh, states and where the Appalachians were and where the Rockies are, it turns into more of an Alpine style fauna. It's a real subtle thing that I tried to blend throughout. And then as it gets up to the north parts of Canada and Alaska, I've started to put sort of more snow and ice-capped uh, areas on the fauna just to give it a nice um, feel throughout that I've actually you know done my research on the uh, what the different sort of uh, natural aspects would be and then of course included all the animals some of the animals I've uh, exaggerated um, in terms of uh, their you know their um, domain area or roughly where their sort of uh, area would be but then Then going to the city of the North America piece, you know that came off the back of me making my Europe piece, the Asia one, the Japan one, and the North America one. Now at the time when I made that piece in 2016, um, the I had be I'd lived in Canada, uh, like I said, and I'd since visited Canada before that trip, so I I felt like I'd, you know, almost done the research for being able to draw Canada, and I'd been to the States quite a few times. I'd done uh, trips throughout California. Uh, many times um, i'd been to parts of uh, i've been to i've been on snowball trips to colorado i'd been to miami to new york so i i felt like i'd been to a fair few uh, places for me to say I, I generally know how i want this piece to look but then you know places that i hadn't been in uh, north america such as um you know haven't been to mexico but then in the states i hadn't been to texas I hadn't been to new orleans I hadn't been to st louis but i was familiar that of what those places were so that's when a bit of research comes into play uh so it is inspired by travel but of course i'm not going to leave the areas blank you know like (laughs) to be continued (laughs) once i go there (laughs) um so that's when yeah research will come into play for those areas and this is one of one of the reasons why i haven't drawn um south america in that particular country continent city of style yet purely because i haven't actually been there Uh, and that's not because i don't want to go, it's just because I it's one of the places I haven't gotten around to making it to yet. So I've always kind of said and until I go there is when I'll draw the place.
1: Well that's fair. Gotta lay eyes on it to get an impression first.
0: Exactly. I mean I could research and you know and, and ask people who have been there and, and do a rough idea, but I know for me personally it wouldn't feel as authentic and I wouldn't want to lie to myself in drawing somewhere that I know I haven't been ultimately. Um So, yeah, uh, all of my pieces have have got some form of a connection with me personally to them, whether it's whether I've lived there, I've worked there, I've traveled there, uh, you know, a little bit, a lot of it, some form of it has got a connection to me personally. Uh, But then there's some places, yeah, I haven't uh, touched, uh, set foot in. So, yeah, that's why.
1: And since you've been everywhere and drawn so many places, is there anywhere that you have been drawn to repeatedly that became a subject more than months?
0: Uh Definitely. I mean, certain places, I uh, New York, funnily enough, uh, you'll see on my website, I've actually drawn New York multiple times in different styles. And then it features in my North America map. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an architecture dream, that place. It's just, it's crazy, New York. I love it. I've always loved it since I was a kid. So naturally i've drawn it a few times uh, and i'll probably end up drawing it again at some point in a completely different style um but yeah i mean architecturally uh, certain places in europe you know uh, uh, myself and my wife we've been to um, uh, venice many times uh we, it's one of our favorite places in europe to visit um and I'll continue always going to certain places. Um, Greece is another one just because of its history and stuff. But when I was in on my travels, uh, there was definitely a few places that I particularly loved and would happily go to again, which one of my favorite places, funny enough, which doesn't relate so much to my physical architectural works is uh, Nepal. Uh, I love Nepal. I thought it was an incredible country, but it features in one, a couple of my pieces. It features in my magical India piece, uh sort of on the horizon of uh the top part of India I've sort of included Nepal up there and then also my piece the city of Asia which uh, it also features as well um but yeah there's many places that I'm always inspired by Italy uh probably Italy is one of my favorite European countries to continue to just visit and a combination of its architecture its history its landscapes its food (laughs) I, I don't really bring food too much into my works but You know, that's more of a, uh, (laughs) just a me thing. (laughs) You can't not love Italian.
1: Looking at some of your New York works and how you've reimagined the geometry of Manhattan from a, like a a plane to a spiral to an anamorphic globe. For the technical side, are you working off of uh, aerial imagery or pictures of the facades? Because the geography is correct and the architecture is correct. And it's hard to do both. Uh, Essentially, what's your secret? How do you get all this in here?
0: Yeah, I mean, referencing um, all of the things that you mentioned there, you know, of course, so New York, it's a place I've been to many times. You're obviously familiar with it, you lived there. We can all picture in our heads what the Empire State Building looks like, what the uh, Statue of Liberty looks like, what the Brooklyn Bridge looks like. But to get it looking, you know, like I want it to look so that people exactly know what it looks like, of course, I'm gonna reference uh, an actual image of it. So whether that be a photograph, maps of it, street layouts uh, one big thing I, and a lot of people sort of oh do you use this and i use it to help me map out which is google earth uh, sometimes that's really handy uh to understand what street layouts look like in comparison to the perspective of buildings because google earth these days it's got it brings all the 3d buildings to life so it's quite handy and particularly if there's newer updated buildings now, my piece that is literally titled New York that I did in 2019, which is the globe-shaped one that uh, focuses on the downtown area of Manhattan. Now that was actually a commission project uh, for a client that year that had um, literally seen my works and he wanted me to create a piece of New York focused on the downtown area of Manhattan. Uh, the reason being is because he actually lives about two or three blocks away from uh, uh, Ground Zero. So he specifically said he wanted where he lived in the foreground. So. That's how that piece came to be. But as I was creating that piece, there was a lot of new sky rises, uh, you know, skyscrapers being built at the time that were, from what I could tell at the time, currently under construction. So you know, I was asking the client, you know, do you know I've got a bit of a dilemma here. As I'm making this piece, I can see clearly from you know my research that you've got a building here, you've got a building there, you've got a bridge there that is currently under construction. Do you want me to draw it in the piece either uh halfway constructed do you want me to draw it completed do you not want me to include it you know and he was kind of like fairly flexible and said look you know whatever you think would work best uh you know go with sort of (laughs) go with your heart on this one um and i kind of because a, a lot of these um buildings these days have got great uh you know artist impressions of what it should or will look like hopefully once complete I kind of, and a lot of them were like mid-construction. So I thought, okay, you know, it's going to hopefully end up looking a lot like what the artist impression has done according to the website of the the building or whatever it be. So I ended up just improvising and thought I'll draw them complete because in the next six months, in the next 12 months, two years, whatever it be, that particular building will be complete. Um, so yeah, I ended up um, just not making them up, but just, drawing buildings that weren't fully complete yet at the time just because i knew you know this was a piece now i made four years ago so hopefully all of those um buildings are now complete but you know new york being a very progressive city as you'll probably (laughs) be aware there's probably another 20 or 30 new buildings with scaffolding and cranes and all construction sites like they're building another new one here and a new one there So it's a piece that no doubt I'll (laughs) have to draw again at some point, an updated version.
1: There was always a new one sprouting up. You nailed it. For this geometric perspective, I'm not an illustrator, so uh, I've got nothing but ignorant questions. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick a perspective and then uh, sketch out all the buildings radiating from there and then fill in details. Or do you... Just go, okay, starting with ground zero, I'm going to finish ground zero completely and then work out radially from there. How do you block this out, essentially?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, sh- I should have maybe mentioned this at the beginning of the, the interview, but the one theme that continues throughout all of my work is perspective. I've always, ever since I was a child, always loved perspective. I think uh, I remember a, a really early uh, art class at school when I was a kid that the teacher taught us about perspective and vanishing points. If you make one dot on the page and then draw all of the lines to that point, that will be your vanishing point, that's the horizon. Um, and I've always sort of been fascinated by that idea. So with these uh, particular cityscapes, the New York one, you know, that is a piece that is requiring like multiple, multiple perspectives going at all different angles, because Uh, You know, I'm drawing a a fisheye, essentially, where the foreground is in the middle and the horizon is all around the edge in a globe style. So I'm, you know, trying the main center point. So all the vertical lines leading back down to Earth are, of course, going to that very center point. And for that reason, I always start with these pieces, the original works with something in the foreground. So therefore, I'll always start in the middle. Uh, and I literally expand my way out. So yes, I started with uh, the 9-11 uh, memorial site and then just uh, expanded out from there. But I do, to be honest, some of my pieces, I, I switch up the styles a bit. Like the New York one, I can tell you that I literally drew all of the detail, as detailed as you see it now, sort of bit by bit. I draw... and then I draw a few of the surrounding buildings then the windows and then a few more buildings then the windows and the shadows and the details and then I draw the whole thing like that and then at the end I did the colour whereas uh, some pieces such as my Greek piece the Greek Odyssey map uh, I literally did every little bit of detail as I went including the colour and the Norse piece as well just the colour as I went and but then I, you know, there's a few uh, newer works that I've done where I would do all the pen and pen and ink work again, all of the outlines, and then the color afterwards. So it really, uh, some pieces I kind of switch up the style a little bit, but the perspectives I definitely um, work out in advance, uh, and of course, you know, I'm not uh, uh, <laughs> completely confident to go straight with pen directly onto canvas because once it's on, it's on; it doesn't come off um so i often do sort of some basic pencil outlines to work out the perspectives uh of say some street layouts and some of the larger architectural uh, buildings but then all the detail you know i don't bother doing with pencil that it's almost just to give me a figure to say right that's where i want the one world trade center to be uh that's where the brooklyn bridge is going to go that's where the empire state building is going to go almost just like a rough outline of it and then it's all the detailed pen straight on uh, and you know Throughout all of my pieces, there's many parts of them that don't always go accordingly to plan. Uh, The line will go maybe that bit too far or the perspective is just slightly off, but ultimately that's what shows that it's a drawing. That shows it's not traced from a photograph or it's copied from something or uh, it's computer generated. It's a hand drawing at the end of the day. So inevitably there are gonna be uh, human well, I, I'll call them my errors. A lot of people will go, oh, it looks fine to me, <laughs> which is great. But, you know, we're all our own worst critics. I'm sure you, with your stuff, you'll look at it and be like, mm, could have done this or that. I'm always like it. So, yeah, that's what shows that it's a uh, hand draw.
1: Yeah, you, you will detect errors, nanoscopic errors that no one else will ever exactly. see. And was this a six-month, thousand-hour project, the New York 2019?
0: No, that one, uh, a little bit less. I did that one in about, I'd say, 600-ish hours, give or take, over three and a half to four months. When I'm making an original, I average on about 50 hours of drawing a week. Um, That's when I'm working on it full time. Uh, You know, some days I will literally do 10 hours of drawing a day. if If I'm in the zone and I haven't got any distractions happening, I can just sit and do that all day, every day. I love it. It's therapeutic for me. Um, pieces when I am drawing architectural landscapes though of course they do require a bit more concentration and precision so I'm often referencing you know I've got say got the laptop on the side of me or the iPad with some reference images or some books and things so I'm constantly you know double checking it cross-checking it to make sure that it's matching up to what I want it to draw like but then if anything the nature's pieces you know uh, they take nowhere near as long because the entire thing is almost just free flow you know just just go with it and then I I will use the occasional reference images of some of the animals and land um, uh, and you know some of the landscapes or the landmarks that I do include within them Uh, but generally it's a constant just to draw without actually having to reference much uh, other than what I, I you know referencing the previous part of the drawing you know that that's how that leaf looked let's draw another similar one or let's expand that branch and let's draw it this way um, and, and funnily enough, actually, the Norse mythology piece—I'm um, uh, not sure if you've seen that one yet on the site—but it's very much uh, 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 more of a fantasy-style uh, piece because it very much Norse mythology, very much takes place in the imagination, whereas Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, takes place very much in the the real physical world of Greece and Egypt. Norse mythology is much more up in the imagination, so therefore. I had to use my imagination a lot more for that particular piece and that ended up being my longest project that was closer to 1200 hours over uh, on and off 10 months of work. And uh, I actually got to yeah use my imagination in ways that I hadn't done before with a piece of art and bring back some of that nature style because there's a big world tree that connects the whole thing from the top to the bottom. So it was quite fun actually, even though it's one of my more recent works, I got to use my previous style slightly within the piece. So yeah, it was quite fun bringing that back.
1: Cause you started doing nature.
0: Exactly. Yeah. In terms of, um, selling my works professionally, that was the style of the work. So, you know, going back to, on my travels, it was, I had a, an entire collection of all these nature inspired pieces with, uh, sort of trees in, in different shapes. And, and then that's kind of how the whole continent thing started out. I drawn all of these, uh, different shapes, um, made out of uh, trees and fauna so I drawn in the shape of a hand, the shape of two people, a woman, a man, uh, different objects made out of the shape of a tree and then I, I mean I'd you know, been in New Zealand at the time and I actually drew then a piece that was in the shape of New Zealand made out of the tree and everything but I did that after a year of successfully selling my works in New Zealand almost as a bit of a thank you and as, as a celebration to New Zealand at the time for me. And I remember a lot of people loving the whole concept of it and going, oh, you've got to do more of these, you know, do one of here, do what, draw one of this country, of that country. Um, and New Zealand worked very well at that uh, in that style because, you know, it's its own island, it's its own country and it's quite a significant shape for that reason. So, you know, I thought, right, well, I definitely want to draw more. Uh, pieces like this where people can recognize the shape. So the next one and very close to New Zealand was then Australia, you know, quite an iconic shape. And then I did Africa and a few others, but then, you know, and occasionally I get people say, well, why haven't you drawn Germany on its own? Why haven't you drawn Luxembourg on its own? Why haven't you drawn Mexico on its own or Bolivia or wherever? It's not that I don't want to, it's just to draw a lot of these places on their own. Maybe the shape of them, for me isn't maybe as iconic or visually iconic to everyone else whereas the entire country or continent is a much more iconic shape and certain countries do have that more iconic look to them you know one of the biggest ones for me personally is italy you know yes it's attached to other countries but italy does work well on its own because of its unique shape its coastline you know you could show that image a silhouette of italy to a hundred people and I'd like to think, you know, 90% of them at least could know where that is just by the shape of it. Um, But then, you know, if you were to take Poland or, you know, or Kazakhstan or, you know, Cambodia, any other country that's, say, landlocked and just draw it on its own, I don't know how significant it would be in terms of recognisable. No, that's just me personally. A lot of people would argue against that and say, well, if you, of course, bring the landmarks to Mark or write the title of it in big, bold letters, (laughs) this is Cambodia, this is wherever, (laughs) then of course it would be a bit more iconic. But I like people to recognize, with me personally, I like people to recognize uh, my works from afar in terms of the shape, but it's only when they get closer that they realize there's a lot more going on. Um, You know, the North America one, people often will see that shape from afar and be like, oh, that's North America. But when they get close, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it was full of all these crazy details, you know? So that's kind of what I've always, and the slogan within my work is look closer, Is in hopefully you can recognize the shape from afar, but it is only when you get closer, you realize there's a lot more than meets the eye.
1: Yeah. Here's the gross shape of the landmass, the macro scale. And then once you put your nose in it, you think, oh, wow, this is just detail all the way down.
0: Yeah and I try to literally go like as minute detail as possible with some things like I really try to push it and and really if, if people are looking they'll always try and uh, find something and some of my pieces like my big continent pieces I often come up with like a hidden gems list of all the things that I'll try and hide within the piece and I'll give that to um, you know people with one of those pieces and then it's purely if for their own education uh, entertainment purposes and education if they want to know some of the stuff that i've hidden throughout or if some of the pieces feature a guide like my greek and norse mythology ones i include a guide that comes with those pieces saying about all the different gods and goddesses and all the locations of where the myths took place or what that particular location is is where you know what what happened there so just because i figured i've done all the research maybe it would be nice if people uh, would like to know a little bit about it as well.
1: Well, like a scavenger hunt or reference, reference piece. You can you can learn something here. Exactly. Okay. Because these pieces are so elaborate and take so long, have you had any that you got 300 hours into and thought this isn't working and had to stop? <laughs>
0: um, there's definitely been a few pieces that uh, have proven a bit of a challenge along the way or I've had maybe a bit of a a block of some description or something didn't quite uh feel like it was going how i wanted but never have i stopped a project i've always um started it and finished it no matter what and i'll you know there's definitely a few pieces that uh didn't quite go how i planned or i wasn't as proud of by the time i finished them or the idea didn't fully come out exactly how i hoped but then there's a lot of pieces uh more than less than that i'm happy with or turned out even better than i hoped you know like i said you know going back to my greek piece it's a piece that uh you know i'm so proud of you know it's, it's a piece i don't know if i'd ever actually want to sell the original because i you know i personally love it that much it was just such a joy to create and even though i know there's a few things in it that if i were to say draw it again or do it again i know i would do differently at the same time it is for me a perfect piece it's a piece that I wouldn't change at the same time because I I love it that much um, you know my style has come it, it, my style is always evolving and changing so you know even if I were to draw it again it probably would be slightly different I've picked up on a few different techniques over the last couple of years since I made that piece so I would say draw that slightly differently or pull that here or position that there or add a little bit more shading or light effects on this area but uh, I uh, know it's a piece for what I did at the time. I'm so, you know, happy how it turned out. I'm proud of. Um,
1: yeah. Nice. Speaking of redos or big projects, do you have any thousand yard long-term projects in mind? Say I cleared your docket for a year. And you thought, oh, I finally get to do X. Do you have anything like that in mind?
0: Well, I mean, technically the Greek piece was one of those pre- pieces. It was a piece that I had penciled in my mind for quite a few years actually. And I was on and off doing the research for a few years and then got into the research properly, but it was, 2020 happened and funnily enough, I was like, you know, cause normally I'm doing art fairs and exhibitions every few months and I sell my works regularly where I live in Bath. Uh, uh, but you know, 2020 happened, all my shows either got postponed or canceled I wasn't allowed to sell my works out in public in the public space in Bath, I only had my website. So I was like, right, well, I've literally just got myself in the studio here. What can I do? You know what? I'm going to make my Greek piece. (laughs) So that kind of was uh, one of the passion projects, Uh, you know, and off the back of that, I want to make more of these big ones, the Egyptian piece, as I mentioned, and a few others. There is one big particular piece that I do have, uh, you know, the 1,000 the yard uh, stale one that you were saying, like, you know, if you just said, I'm gonna clear your calendar for a year for you to create one piece. Now there is a big piece that I do have in mind that I almost want to, uh, uh, I don't wanna reveal too much about it. I mean, it's still it's still along the lines of architecture and, and my styles of perspective and all those things, but it's a particular piece that, um, I've almost been, it's the whole saving for a rainy day kind of thing once I've got all of my other big ones out of the way, because I kind of feel it's a particular piece that if I do that one, and if it if it proves, say, popular, it might be a new take and theme and style within my works moving forward. Um, it will still be with pen and ink. It will still be a lot of the same uh, aspects that I always do, but there's just a particular certain thing about it. which. Yeah, I kind of don't want to reveal too much just because I almost want it to be a bit of a surprise when I do it. And to be honest, you know, it might be something that would be a total flop and a lot of people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, that looks cool. But yeah, I still prefer your old stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, that's that's another sort of uh, backbone of project. And I, I'll be honest, I've had the the idea for quite a few years. I've almost got it all pre-mapped out because uh, some people often say well why don't you just you know work on it on the side in between projects but for me i like to start a piece work on that one and then finish it before i move on to the next so this one i will have to I say get out get my other pieces out of the way first you know but i will almost have to schedule in and i think it would probably be a piece that could take up to one year to complete uh so yeah ideally i'd like it to happen in the next few years but if i get you know bogged down with other pieces or people commission me and stuff then you know it might not happen for quite a few more years
1: (laughs) well looking forward to that one whatever it is i understand i wouldn't want to jinx it either
0: that's
1: okay (laughs) and do you have a gallerist or is it just you uh printing shipping getting these out there showing them
0: just me pretty much uh you know my wife helps me sort of you know, with different things here and there, whether it be some admin bits, and occasionally when I do art fairs and exhibitions, uh, she comes along and helps me with those. But uh, yeah, I've got where we live. Um, I've got kind of a gallery space, almost set up from home, where people can come see the original works if they want to. And then I, like I said, I sell my works regularly in the city of Bath, where I have an outdoor pitch, and very similar to the style how I started selling my works when I was in New Zealand. But these days, it's more of a permanent uh, pitch. You know, I. Technically, I can showcase and sell my works there seven days a week, but I do, you know, thankfully have the flexibility that I don't have to be present there every day. So I, I kind of divide my time between making the art and selling the art. Uh, and definitely different times of the year are busier than others for um, selling the work, you know, as we are now approaching summer uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's, it's a great time to be spending more time physically in the city selling my works. Uh, versus say making the art whereas then come autumn it will quieten down a bit that's often a good time for me to then be sort of spending more time in the studio but then Christmas time is an exceedingly busy time uh, you know physically at the uh, market space and then in the new year up until about now is normally good sort of studio time for me Um, but you know inevitably I will be you know I'm always going to get those days where I'm, I'm not say at the market or I'm back here for whatever reason and I'll, I'll want to crack on and draw, you know, I'm, I've already been concepting and mapping out how I want this new Egyptian mythology piece and to be honest I would like to do nothing more than just sit in the studio and create that piece all summer, um, but I know that probably wouldn't be a good tactical move for me so uh, I've kind of just got to be a bit more patient on that one and just know that I will get to do it in the next few months. Uh, but it's probably a wise move that I spend more time out there showcasing and, you know, selling the works.
1: So you have a permanent storefront or is it outdoor space under a tent that people can come check out your stuff?
0: Yeah, so it's an outdoor space uh, under a tent, uh, under a gazebo tent that I have in uh, in the city center of Bath in the UK. Uh, and I have done many other things. Um, places like that before. But because I have a permanent sort of location that I can sell my works uh, in Bath, it gives me the opportunity to, you know, show it to people sort of every day if I want to. And and the, and the thing with my stuff is, well, me personally, I feel that because it's so intricate and big, uh, You know, it's always good to see stuff online and it's, you know, people these days from the comfort of their home and on their phone, they can obviously just look at stuff, browse, and if they want to buy stuff, they do it there and then. But my stuff is so intricate and some of the biggest stuff, it doesn't sometimes give off that same uh, effect when looking at it through a tiny little screen on your phone. Whereas when you see it in the flesh and in in person, it really is, uh, you know, it's a whole different experience. It's like seeing a movie home versus seeing it at the cinema. It's a whole different experience and and, you know nine times out of ten the people that buy on the spot are people that have never seen my work before and they're seeing it in the flesh and they've stopped by and you know they're visualizing what it could look like in their home and because I sell my affordable art as well so I sell my prints I say paper prints uh, ranging in different sizes and then Fine art canvas prints and limited edition canvases, and then original works. In Bath, I'll always sell and advertise the affordable art with the opportunity for people to buy limited edition works and, of course, originals. But I don't generally rely on that as much because if I were to rely on just my original works, I'd either have to, you know, probably have another job (laughs) or uh, reduce them in price significantly because, you know, not everybody's got. Uh, you know, that that sort of um, leisurely cash, just being able to afford such, you know, luxury items. Essentially, that's what my art is. It's not a uh, it's not an essential item, it's a, it's a luxury item. So if people can afford it, uh, you know, great, but you can't sort of, they don't need it in their lives. It's just if they want it and if they can afford it. So ideally, I like to make it affordable for them by giving them the opportunity of, say, owning a print of the Greek piece where, I've got the original priced, you know, at a certain price, and then you've got the limited edition canvases, but then you can get it as a paper print reduced in size and therefore in price uh, and still have a piece of it on
1: your wall. That's ideal. You get the the high and the low. Exactly. And I just love that you have your own gallery or retail space because that's the most fun commerce I've ever done was, you know, taking my stuff out under a tent and, Mm. you know, showing it to people. Because, yeah, you can see how people react to it. Some people will give you a polite nod and some will hang out for 20 minutes just putting their face in it.
0: Yeah, it's re- it's a really nice feeling when you get those people that are just doing whatever they're doing throughout their day, you know, and then they just stop and look at it. Uh, and even if they don't like it, you know, if they just stop and look and they don't like it, I love the fact that it's made them stop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a feeling that has never left me, has never... Uh, got um you know uh boring i've i've loved it every time since and i think maybe because that's how i started selling my works like i said at markets in new zealand it was that same feeling i had back then of complete strangers going about their day and then just stopping and looking at something that i'd created uh and if they like it that's of course the icing on the cake
1: yeah something that they never would have encountered if you didn't put it in front of them
0: exactly exactly totally
1: unique you're creating a, a a totally novel experience and sometimes people are like i want to see that at home every day
0: well and that's it and that's when i'm like well if you know if you like it you can buy a print of it you can take it home with you you can have a piece of it on your wall and then you can enjoy it there and you know and, and not everyone you know art's are such a subjective thing and you know not everyone will like what i create and it's the same with music the same with film you know some things are always going to be more popular than others But I'm very grateful for the people that do like my work, you know, and that do purchase prints of it and my works, whether they buy a a small paper print right up to one of my most valuable originals. The fact is they've still invested in me and my art. They've still liked what I've created and they want to put a piece of that in their home and on their wall. And, uh, you know, that always means the world to me. I mean, it keeps a roof over my head and a smile on my face, so I cannot complain at all.
1: That's wonderful. Well, Jeff, I won't keep you much longer, but uh, one question I like to ask of all my guests is, are there any map makers or artists, living or dead, that people should check out?
0: I, Funnily enough, I did a uh, an interview uh, about two years ago uh, with a map maker, map maker called Eve, and of the life of me, I can't remember her surname, <laughs> if it comes to me, I'll, uh, I'll email you, but she does some really interesting cartography maps, more along the lines of fantasy style maps like uh i think it was like almost dungeons and dragons and things like that uh, but she had a quite a unique style um, and then i do occasionally see other sort of map makers and things if well actually in fact not so much maps but more of a 3d map i.e. a globe i would highly recommend uh bellaby and co globe makers uh i discovered them quite a few years ago uh, they're one of the few traditional globe makers that make handmade globes left in the world and they're based in London and uh, a few years ago I uh, uh, decided I wanted to purchase one of theirs but because they're handmade you have to go for through a full process of actually uh, you know going through what size globe you want what color scheme do you want do you want any personalizations added uh, what color base do you want Do you want it made out of wood metal ceramic you know all these things and it ended up taking them about eight months to make uh but and it's got all the cartography elements on it i had a lot of personalizations added to the globe that uh you know meant a lot to me on my travels so i i i asked them could they put a pen uh, in or near new zealand as to where i first started selling my works you know they put a snowboard in canada where i did my ski season uh, things like that you know throughout the whole globe and so for me that is a real uh piece of art and uh, a 3D map essentially. So I would highly recommend uh, those guys to check out. They're pretty cool. Bella B and Co. Globe makers.
1: They're the first one I've spoken to that has one of them. How big is yours?
0: Oh, right. Okay. All right. So people have, uh, you're familiar with them. So my, well, I've actually got, <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I've got two. <laughs> uh, I've I got uh, the first one I got in 2018 from them was a 50 centimeter uh, globe. I believe it's the, Oh, is it the Galileo globe or the Britannic globe? The 50 centimeter one on a wood uh, base. But then a couple of years ago, I wanted to get one of their small desk globes because they announced they were doing a moon globe. And I was like, oh, and I saw this lunar moon globe. And I thought, that's really cool. I like that. So i got a moon globe as well. So I've got a small little, that one is 22 centimeters, I think. And then my actual Earth globe is uh, 50 centimeters. But yeah, it was, it, because they're in London, I got to go up to the workshop as well. And, uh, and I wanted to collect it in person. And I wanted to meet uh, you know, the head, which is Peter Bellaby. And he showed me all around the workshop and all the globes. And I have to say, it was one of the <laughs> sort of coolest workspaces I've ever seen. Uh, they've got a really cool thing going on there. And if for any reason my uh, art stopped selling to the public, but I still wanted to sell it, I would definitely approach them
1: Uh, and see if they needed an illustrator. (laughs) So you got to go to their big wooden loft and talk to the painters? Exactly, yeah.
0: I didn't speak to so much uh, the painters in person. They were kind of all in the zone at the time. They all had their headphones on, doing their thing. Uh, But I spoke to Peter, and he gave me a full tour of the entire place. So I got to see, uh, you know, the map makers putting on the different um, sections of the map as they sort of almost... Uh, sort of, not paper mache, but it's almost like that, how they sort of stick it onto the physical globe. I saw the, the woodworkers doing their thing. I saw the cartographers doing their thing, the, the printers. It was a proper unique experience, and they just had the really cool, yeah, just a thing going on. Um, yeah, that was in 2018.
1: Yeah, I know one globe maker in the US here. He is an arborist. He'll cut down a tree, oh, wow. uh, take a a big part of the trunk, turn it on a lathe, get a wooden sphere about the size of a basketball, Mm -hmm. and then carve a 3D physiographic globe into the whole thing. So you can find the undersea ridges, here's the Rockies, here's the Mississippi Delta, and he'll use a, a dental pick and a rotary tool and do it all by hand. Uh, with a you know magnifying lens on, with a big National Geographic map in front of him as reference, and it'll take him years to finish one.
0: Oh, I bet it would.
1: Yeah. And I got to visit his workshop in Colorado because I was driving through and uh, DM'd him on Instagram. His uh yeah. his site is carvedearth.com If you're interested, he does. Carved Earth. I'll check that one out. He does magnificent work and totally unique, and also. I always say it's a huge cartographic feat because most cartography is uh, taking 3D and putting it into 2D, and he takes 2D and puts it back into 3D, kind of a reverse mapping. It's not that like a globe.
0: Yeah, I I love a globe. I've always been fascinated by them. And I think, I'll be honest, when I was searching, I, I loved the idea of getting a globe for years, and I just kept looking and looking, and nowhere seemed to sort of have anything that was speaking to me. And then you get them... Uh, sort of, <laughs> I don't want to say tacky, but they've got a little bit of a, uh, you know, cheapness built <laughs> to them, the, the the drinks globes, you know, as, as fun and as comical as they are, I was like, I don't want a drinks globe, I want a proper globe, you know, and nowhere seemed to sort of uh, provide sort of what I was after. And then I saw these guys and, you know, our, their prices are, well, it, it reflects in the work they do, it's a bit like this this guy who does the carved globes i'm guessing like you know every piece is an original and it's going to take you know him or the team of the globe makers a significant amount of time to create a bit like me with my original works you know uh they'll take a long time to create so you know the prices do come at a little bit higher but you do definitely get quality uh over quantity that's for sure and that's why it's art
1: it's not a commodity it, <laughs> somebody exactly somebody had to bend over this for thousands of hours of hours to make it exactly exactly well thanks so much for uh talking to me jeff this has been so illuminating i feel like i have some idea of how the magic happens
0: no i appreciate it I thank you very much for the time and thanks for your patience on uh, being able to rearrange the call and i hope you have a
1: wonderful day yeah, i don't know if today is a 10-hour drawing day or i have to go talk to people <laughs> in the booth day but either sounds good
0: that's all good yeah that's, i'm actually because uh, i've got a show next week in taiwan uh fine enough so i this week is all kind of like prep week for me i'm just making sure i've got all the artworks boxed up uh, my signage uh making sure everything's going to get to the hotel and then to the art show all in time so yeah it's more of a preparation week for me
1: hope that the logistics goes well and have a great time in taiwan
0: thank you very much and likewise i hope you have a great day ahead and yeah look forward to hearing from you again soon
1: To see Jeff's art, visit jeffmurray.co.uk J-E-F-F-M-U-R-R-A-Y dot You can also find him on Instagram at jeff underscore murray underscore art. For show notes and bonus content, visit veryexpensivemaps.com This episode is brought to you by The Map Consultancy, supplier of professional, data-driven maps for your decks, reports, walls, and events. Visit themapconsultancy.com to see what good maps can do for you. I'm Evan Applegate, I'm a cartographer, and you should make your own maps.
0: No one wants to see dull, ugly maps. If you want to get through to your customers, you need the best cartography money can buy. The Map Consultancy will create maps with your data and your branding, PowerPoint decks, annual reports, conferences and events, your office walls. The Map Consultancy does it all. Visit themapconsultancy.com and get the best maps today.